Internet. I'm Dave Rubin. This is the Rubin Report. It's January 17th, 2024. We're live streaming on Rumble Locals and YouTube. Share, subscribe, tap that notification bell. Post game show, RubinReport.locals.com. And we have a huge, huge, huge show for you today. I might have set the record with the amount of paper on my desk. I sat down early. We feel it's tight and trim and pointed and effective. So if you are not comfortably in your chair yet. Let's get you in there and get ready to roll. Uh, the theme of today's show is a bit of what we went off of yesterday uh, in light of these Iowa results and that it does seem that Donald Trump is the presumptive nominee for the Republicans. Anything can happen. It doesn't change any of my feelings that I've been telling you for the last year about Ron DeSantis and all that stuff. But it, you gotta, if you're DeSantis or even if you're Nikki, Right now, the one thing that you have to do is lay out your path. Like, it's not about having another debate. It's not about having a town hall or anything else. It's about like, hey, Trump won Iowa. Here's what's gonna happen in New Hampshire. Here's the path going forward for me. I haven't heard either one of them say that yet. If it's there, I'd love to hear it, but that's not really what today's show is about. Today's show is about what the reality of the situation is, right? Because as I always say to you guys, I don't demand the world just sort of bend to me. I'm a realist. I see the world as it is, and then I operate accordingly. So what we are going to talk about today is if Trump is the nominee, how do we help him level up right now? Because between the deep state and that swamp, and now the World Economic Forum, which is having their annual meeting in Davos, Switzerland right now, there are going to be major, major issues that this guy is gonna have to deal with on top of the fact of the media going after him and the court cases and everything else. So I, what I don't want to do for the next year is just sit here every day and be like, he's the nominee and I love him and I'll never criticize him. And ah, that, you, there's plenty of other shows you can watch for that. Uh, but what I do want to do here is try to hold him to a higher account, show you that if he fails us, that there are other options and there actually still are other options and that we can actually fight for something a little bit better. So let's just freaking dive into all that. Oh, and I want to start actually with, a, with it's going to seem like a bit of a sidebar, but I think you'll you'll follow me there. I want to start with a clip that was going viral over the last couple of days. It's a clip of Bill Maher's stand-up. This is from about 20 years ago. I think this is around 2003, an HBO special that he did. Bill Maher, he still considers himself a liberal now, right? He's like one of the, one of the last liberals now, non-woke liberals. Uh, but 20 years ago was certainly within what the mainstream liberal position was, okay? It's not the mainstream liberal position anymore, say, defending free speech, individual rights, anti <laughs> actual anti-racism, et cetera. Uh, but Bill had uh, this clip going around about the int the, that you should be intolerant of intolerance, and I think that'll set us up nicely today. But you have to understand, you have to embrace the values of Western civilization. They're not just different. They are better, okay? I know a whole generation has been raised on the notion of multiculturalism, that all civilizations are just different. No, not always. Sometimes things are better. Rule of law is better than autocracy and theocracy. Equality of the sexes, better. Protection of minorities, better. Free speech, better. Free elections, better. Free appliances with large purchases, better.
Don't get so tolerant that you tolerate intolerance. Remember what happened to Salman Rushdie? He wrote a book, it got mixed reviews. <laughs> some people liked it, some people wanted his head on a stick. No one should have to die for writing a book, with the exception of the bridges of Madison County. I will. All right, that's great stuff, and that's 20 plus years ago, and it's true. It was true then, and it's true now. What he's referring to, actually, is known as Karl Popper's paradox of tolerance, right? You want to be so tolerant that you let everybody in and every idea in, but if you do that with no guardrails, no intolerance for the intolerant people, the people that want to chop people's heads off and kill you if you draw a cartoon and all of that stuff, then you are going to just end up impaling yourself, right? And isn't it interesting because the the specifics that Bill mentions there, things like defending free speech, defending equality, he says equality, not equity, he's talking about law and order. These are all the conservative principles of 2024. You all know how the, the spectrum has shifted on that. But what I wanna do is apply that standard, the standard of intolerance, uh, of intolerance of tolerance, to Trump and sort of every everyone that is now going to be the players going forward this coming year. That's how we're setting this thing up. And before I get to it, let me talk to you about Gravity Defier Shoes. Guys, I wanna take you on a journey behind the scenes of the shoe industry where we'll uncover the stark contrast between a premium shoemaker and those simply riding on massive advertising budgets. Buckle up as I unravel the insights gained during this eye-opening exploration. Enter, enter G Defy Shoes, a true departure from the ordinary, backed by a groundbreaking clinical study conducted by UCLA. Now picture this, while others have clung to shoes featuring run-of-the-mill memory foam sole for the past five decades, G Defy stands apart with its patented and meticulously designed sole construction. This isn't about absorbing shock, it's like your shoes giving you a high five for every step, boosting you forward and adding pep to your stroll. G Defy isn't going for the easy way out, they're not just grabbing any old soul off the shelf. No, they're on a mission to boost the biomechanics of how shoes work and fostering a movement that nurtures your body. Now, while others question the adequacy of their footwear, GDefy is in the business of creating miracles. It's not just a shoe, it's an immersive experience, a device that alleviates pain and serves as natural footwear to preempt further wear and tear. Trust me, you want to be part of this revolutionary journey, and I'm thrilled that I finally am. GDefy doesn't pour millions into celebrity endorsements uh, to entice you, although you might have spotted GDefy on some famous feet. Instead, their investment is channeled into the foundational construction of the shoe, but don't take my word for it. Explore the multitude of reviews and testimonials from ordinary individuals who attest to the miraculous impact of GDefy shoes on their lives, available at the GDefy website and platforms. Go to GDefy.com now because your feet deserve more than another pair of shoes. And here's a little extra love for our podcast listeners. Use the discount code Ruben30 for an exclusive $30 off your order of 150 or more. Yes, you heard it right. A little gift from GDefy to your feet. Experience the miracle that is GDefy. And now back to me. Okay, so what we do not want to do is be tolerant of intolerance, right? We need to all level up what we're doing. The liberals, unfortunately, in the last two decades, didn't level up, right? They didn't heed the warning of Bill Maher right there. He was talking to an all liberal audience. Guys, stop being so freaking tolerant of everything. Not every idea is good, okay? And now I want to apply that to what's happening right now because Trump obviously is the presumptive nominee Anything can happen, right? Like the guy could fall down the stairs, the court case, anything can happen, but conventional wisdom, he's the presumptive nominee at this point. 
what I want to see out of Trump is a degree of not just, we're gonna do this thing all over again. So first I wanted to show you a little video of uh, Trump yesterday in New Hampshire. If you wanna defend your honor and if you wanna defeat the radical left Democrats and save America, you must vote for your favorite president of all time, Donald J. Trump. That's me. Okay, so that's Trump being Trump, right? I'm your favorite president. We're gonna defeat them. They're bad, I'm good, blah, blah, blah. That's all just fine, right? And that's the Trump that we know and it's the Trump that many people love. It's the Trump that I voted for before, okay, fine. We can support him, but I think what we have to do now is also put him on notice so that he doesn't just sort of fall back into some of the bad habits, some of the bad habits of hiring the wrong people, trying to make deals with Democrats who are always operating in bad faith, always propping up the mainstream media as it's trying to take you out, uh, and maybe also realizing that you've made some mistakes along the way. I wanna jump back. Uh, this is now six years ago, but this is 2018. This is Donald Trump, anti-globalist, anti-deep state, Donald Trump at the World Economic Forum, which again is happening right now. They're having their annual meeting. And here he is with Klaus Schwab. Well, we've loved it. We think it's a great country, a beautiful country. And we have had a uh, tremendous success. Yeah, great success. And this gentleman, as you know, he's, uh, he's done a great job. Thank you very much. Thank you. One more question. All right, so this gentleman, Klaus Schwab, who's the leader of the globalist movement, there's Donald Trump six years ago saying he's done a great job. So what I wanna do is apply Bill Maher's uh, argument, that, that paradox of tolerance, uh, to Donald Trump right now, right? We have to be able to call balls and, balls and strikes. We have to be able to be intolerant of some of the bad ideas while we do see the writing on the wall that he is the likely nominee, or we can just kind of bow to him, right? We can just bow to him and nothing will ever get better. It's not as if Donald Trump in and of himself at 78 years old or whatever he is, is suddenly gonna magically get better, magically start thinking things a little bit differently at this moment. Now he's done a lot of good in all of that, right? And he saw something years ago that helped a whole bunch of us see the world maybe a little bit more as it is, wrapped through, you know, through the, without the fog of mainstream media. But what I think we cannot do is, is just bow to him. So I wanna show you a video. This is, this is two days ago uh, because Vivek is now campaigning with Donald Trump. But I wanna show you a video two days ago where Vivek is on the campaign trail. So this is on Monday, on caucus day, trying to explain to this woman that she has to vote for him to save Donald Trump, meaning she has to vote for Vivek to save Donald Trump. Take a look. Oh, they are And they will stop at nothing, but we're not gonna let him get away with it. I've got fresh legs, I'm not wounded. And they're not gonna let this man do it. You know, when you this said eliminate, that gave me a chill. But, because I'm scared. Because you think it's false or because you think it's true? I think it's true. Yeah. I think they will stop at it nothing is, to stop them. Stop Trump. I am, it's sad, but it's the truth. It's the sad, but it's the truth. So I'm asking you do your part and we're going to... You know, we're not we can do this. Polls, we can do this. Polls, yeah. They say, how do you feel about the United States? And I say, I'm worried and I'm fearful. My job that you don't have to feel that way in this country. But we're losing it. We're, lo it, we're losing it. It, it pains me to hear people. that. We need people yeah. like you. Young, vibrant. And that's where our founding fathers were. Yes. It's 1776 moments. So I want your support at that Iowa caucus. I'm, I get emotional. I'm, I'm emotional about this country. 
I need your support on Monday night. You do this, I'm going to do my part. Okay, you're, you're picking at my shell. You are. Yeah. But, you know, I've got... It's about this country. It's about this country. You want to save, you want to save Trump, you vote for me. I'm telling yeah. you that. You, you vote for Trump. You're sending He's him... No, but you're sending him to his own demise. You're falling into the trap that not only a country's falling in, that he's falling. You want to save Trump, you vote for me. I need your support of the Iowa caucus. That's a good argument. Okay, so two days ago, there is Vivek saying, if you want to save Trump, you vote for me. I've got fresh legs. I'm not wounded. They are never going to let Trump be president again. Vote for me. The hug. Now I get it. He's a, he's a, he's a salesman. All of that stuff, it's, it's all fake emotions and everything else. His campaign was truth, but I'm not, I'm not doing this to pile on Vivek right now. I'm not. At the end of the day, um, candidates, I almost said comedians, candidates see the writing on the wall and then you end up allying with people. And I do think they had a deal at the beginning. But I wanna show you what's wrong with the tactic that Vivek uh, laid out there. So he's going around two days ago, they will stop Trump, I'm younger, vote for me. Then he does not do well in, in the caucus. He gets about 8% or so. And then he immediately then just switches over to Team Trump. The same exact person who is saying they will never let him be president, uh, here he is yesterday with Trump. There is not a better choice left in this race than this man right here, and that is why I am asking you to do the right thing as New Hampshire and to vote for Donald J. Trump as your next president, because we're not working with a lot of time here. If our kids are in high school before we get this right, we don't have a country left. That's what it means. We've been celebrating our diversity and our differences for so long that we forgot all of the ways that we are the same as Americans, bound by that common set of ideals that set this country into motion. We believe those ideals still exist. This man is gonna be your next president to revive them. Okay, so the messaging that he just said there, I agree with all of that. Of course I agree with all of that. Uh, what I'm trying to show you here, though, is that if we don't call balls and strikes, again, his campaign slogan was truth. There he was saying, that man will never be president. Then the results don't go his way, and then he's on stage saying, we must support this man. If we just always forget the behavior that everyone does all the time, if we just play into everyone's delusions, we will not get this thing uh, back, back in any sort of semblance of sanity. I just want to show you this 10 second clip of Trump and Vivek almost kissing here. There's there's definitely some weirdness between these two because it's clear there was some sort of deal cut. It went a little bit awry as Vivek got some momentum. Now Trump, you can sort of see it. He feels like Vivek is kind of the future. He's a little bit sharper than him. And here they are with an odd kind of hug kiss moment. It's kind of funny. All right, so there is some weird tension there because it's clear to me that Trump knows he needs Vivek, right? Because he's got that, that younger sort of thing and he's an extremely good speaker and all of that and he's willing to say anything to make it happen. But Trump also understands, oh, at some point he's going to try to take me out. So I'm just putting this down that you can put a pin in this and, and just watch how this thing all plays out. What I would say though, and my purpose of showing you that was not to show you, okay, Vivek flipped and lied to that woman and all of that. It's that I don't think that just lavishing praise on Donald Trump right now because he got 55,000 votes and again is the presumptive nominee. 
I don't think that is the way that we are going to get out of the bigger set of problems that we have. That we have, we have to be intolerant of intolerance. Okay, we have to call out our leaders with compassion and with judgment because it will make them better. We can't just bow now, right? Because there are options, by the way, right? If Trump is the presumptive, and he is, if he is the presumptive anti-deep state candidate, and he fails at that, then we are seriously screwed. So now I wanna just take a little, little side road for just a moment, because there is another candidate that is still running and is still running as an anti-deep state guy, uh, and who does have some momentum. And in this case, I am talking about Robert F. Kennedy Jr. He put out a video, you're gonna have to bear with us here, it's a couple minutes long, but I, we, we discussed whether we were gonna edit it down for this. I think it's worth watching the whole thing. And I just want you to listen to the messaging because right now what I'm sensing is that Trump's messaging is it's, it's me, I'm back, you all love me, let's do it again. Like that there isn't necessarily we're gonna fix any of this or my behavior will be different or anything else. Uh, that's one version of it. And now I wanna listen to another, another version of a vision, right? And listen to RFK and his vision right here. This is a day of affirmation, a celebration of liberty. We stand here in the name of freedom. We are committed to peaceful and nonviolent change. We must recognize the full human equality of all of our people, not just to those of a particular religion, not just to those of a particular race, not just to the wealthy, but to all of the people. We must do it for the single and fundamental reason that it is the right thing to do. A new twist this morning for the country's most famous political dynasty. That it's time to heal a divided nation and return the power to the people. Robert Kennedy Jr. We are told today that our nation is hopelessly divided. But I found something different as I travel this country. I have witnessed an upwelling of optimism that I've never seen before. Something is stirring in us that says it doesn't have to be this way. And so I've come here today to declare our independence from the tyranny of corruption, which robs us of affordable lives, our belief in the future, and our respect for each other. But to do that, I must first declare my own independence. Independence from the Democratic Party. And from all other political parties. I haven't made this decision lightly. It's very painful for me to let go of the party of my uncles, my father, my grandfather and both of my great-grandfathers, but my sacrifice is nothing compared to the risk our founding fathers took when they signed the Declaration of Independence 247 years ago. They knew that if their revolution failed, every last one of them would be hanged. 
They chose to place everything on the line. When John Adams put his pen down, after adding his signature to the Declaration, he turned to those present and he said to them, sink or swim, live or die, survive or perish, from this day on, I am with my country. I'm going to make that same pledge to you today so that I can stand before you as every leader should stand before you, free of partisan allegiance, free from the backroom deals, a servant only to my conscience, to my creator, and to you. Every president enters office promising to unite the nation and to work with people from the other party across the aisle. None of them ever does it. They can't. They're already chosen a side. Well, I'm not going to have that problem. I'm going to build coalitions from both sides of the aisle. And except for the small minority of public officials who are actually corrupt, I'm going to tell you this secret. They too want liberation from the system that has captured them. And isn't that ultimately what we all want? Liberation from a system that robs us of our wealth, our health, our hope, our patriotism, our ideals, our freedoms, and ultimately our sense of ourselves as a good and capable people. Is healing our divided nation possible? Let's go take back our country. God bless you, and God bless the United States of America. I declare my independence. I declare my independence. I declare my independence. We declare our independence. I declare my independence. We declare our independence. I declare my independence. We declare our independence. I declare my independence. I declare my independence. Yo declaro mi independencia. We declare our independence. I declare my independence. Few men are willing to brave the disapproval of their fellows, the censure of their colleagues, the wrath of their society. Moral courage is a rarer commodity than bravery in battle or great intelligence. It is the one essential, vital quality for those who seek to change the world. I'm Robert F. Kennedy Jr., and I approve this message. Okay, thanks for bearing with us on that. I hope you, I hope you felt what I felt while watching it. Now, I just want to get in before any of you who are probably watching that going, what? Wait a minute. Dave said that he would support Trump if DeSantis was out, and now he's playing a video by RFK, and why am I talking like this? I am just trying to show you that there is a vision out there that is also good, and what I want to push Trump towards, if he is the presumptive nominee now, he is the presumptive nominee now, what I want to push him towards is a vision that is a little bit closer to that. Not just, I'm back and I'm you love me, right? Like, and, not, and I'm gonna get all the people to bow to me and wave to me and tell me I'm the greatest. But something that is truly American, right? To link it to the Bill Maher thing, I want Trump to sort of start being intolerant of the bullshit that he will be surrounded by. Because that is the only way that we are going to fix this thing. And RFK does have, 
by the way, a, a chance here. He does actually have a chance because we know that only about 30% of Republicans really love Trump. It's hard to, to know what percentage of Democrats really love Biden, but it's probably around 30%. And then you get all these people who kind of you know pinch their nose and vote for these guys. Uh, but if you had a viable third party candidate who was actually on all the ballots and everything else, you only need about a third of the people to like you, and he's polling already around 25%. I'm not saying he's gonna be president. I have more disagreements politically with RFK than I do with Trump. I'm just saying, I think this is a moment. This is a moment now where we can sort of push all of these guys, Donald Trump in particular, to be a little bit better. I wanna show you this video uh, of RFK because he was on the Howie Mandel podcast. Uh, and there's still so much confusion over COVID. And one of my frustrations with Donald Trump is that he seemingly has shown no regret related to lockdowns or related to Operation Warp Speed or anything else. So if it's like, if we don't look back on that stuff and be like, all of us made mistakes, all of us accepted narratives, blah, 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 then, then we are doomed to do it again. And I don't want Donald Trump to make all those mistakes again. Listen to how effective and, and thought out RFK here, RFK is here as he just debunks nonsense in real time. A clinical trial study, you had 22,000 people who took the vaccine and 22,000 people who got the placebo. And what the result was after six months, they had to hand that data to FDA in order to get the emergency use authorization. What that data showed that in the vaccine group, there was one COVID death of 22,000 people over six months. Right. In the COVID, in the unvaccinated group, there were two COVID deaths. So of 22,000 people. So that allowed the company to tell the public the vaccine is 100% effective. Because 100%, but that's a, that's a misnomer. 100% effective in as far as, because I saw people on the news going, well, I got the vaccine, I still got COVID. They never said you won't get COVID. They just said that, the it'll uh, kind of uh, pull back the severity of it. So the fact is that's well proven. You had okay, double but, the deaths but, 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 without but, but, it. But Howie, listen to this, okay? Okay. If this makes any sense to you, they say what they're saying out of 22,000 people, there was one COVID death among the vaccinated and there was two COVID deaths on the unvaccinated. Double. 22,000 people. So. And that, that allowed them to claim it's 100% effective. Effective for what? You can't no, just use no, the word effective. They, no, you remember they kept saying it's 100% effective. No, they just said it, it'll I, negate I can the severity. You, if you go on the internet, you can see Tony Fauci. But the word effective didn't say you won't get, I never oh, heard no. you won't get COVID. Oh yeah, well, this is a different subject. But yeah, in fact, I saw a tape yesterday of them all, of Biden, Fauci, Gates, uh, you know, Burla, all of them saying, if you take the vaccine, Rachel Maddow, if you take the vaccine, you can't get COVID, you can't prep past COVID. I didn't see that. Okay, well, you know what? Can I play it for you? Yeah. All right. It doesn't matter what Rachel okay, Maddow said. No, 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 no. Okay, I don't want to relitigate all that, and I know what you were all thinking as you were watching it. Yes, RFK, you're telling the truth. Those videos do exist, and uh, you know, Howie Mandel, you're an idiot, and blah, blah, blah. Okay, fine. My point in showing you this, and I know nobody wants to relitigate COVID right now, and I think one of the problems that DeSantis had during this campaign is that everyone thinks we're just on the other side of COVID and it's never gonna matter again, so people don't even care who did the right thing during COVID, but, uh, but it is important to have leaders who tell the truth, who know what the truth is, and who are willing to continually stand up and say the truth, right? 
So how about a little bit of Rachel Maddow, Anthony Fauci, et cetera, saying that the vaccine is 100% safe and effective? It means that instead of the vaccine being able, excuse me, it means for instead of the virus being able to hop from person to person to person to person, spreading and spreading, sickening some of them, but not all of them. And the ones that it doesn't sicken don't know they have it. And then they give it to even more people because they didn't recognize they were, right? Instead of the virus being able to hop from person to person to person, potentially mutating and becoming more virulent and drug resistant along the way. Now we know that the vaccines work well enough that the virus stops with every vaccinated person. A vaccinated person gets exposed to the virus. The virus does not infect them. The virus cannot then use that person to go anywhere else. Dr. Fauci, thank you for everything you are, everything you do. Tell America why they need to get vaccinated when it is their time and turn. Well, we need to get vaccinated because we're dealing with a serious disease. We have a vaccine that's highly effective and it's safe. And that's the thing that's gonna stop this outbreak. The information to show that it's safe and effective is determined by large trials, and it's been determined by people who are independent and transparent. It's been examined by people who have no vested interest except the health of the American people. Thank you, Dr. Fauci. Thank you, man. Thank you. Nice to see you, nice. Oh, God, there's so much bullshit there. And even them, why were they wearing masks then if they were already maxed? Okay, you guys get all the bullshit. The point of all of this related to our election right now is that this thing, this thing over the next year better be about issues and reality as opposed to slogans and worshiping. Otherwise, we are completely effed. Because guess what? The globalists and the World Economic Forum and all of these people who have been telling us what their plans are, they are not going to stop. And they would love to just have a leader who, if you just say nice things about him, will do whatever you want and everything else. So for all the goodness of Trump, maybe we can refine him and make him a little bit better. That's why I wanted to show you that clip of RFK, because RFK has liberated himself from the system. Now, the system has not been too kind to him as he has done that, right? Just as the system, it's ironic in a way because the system, which is not kind to Trump, constantly talks about Trump. The system, which if you think about the ideas, the ideas of the system are more, are closely, more closely linked to RFK, who's a lifelong Democrat. But as he has left the Democratic Party, he has liberated himself from the system, and now the, the system's just completely ignoring him. But the point is, he is campaigning on something that is true, right? Uh, he wants to destroy the deep state, the COVID craziness, all of the, the globalists who want to take away our freedoms and all of those things, just as much as Donald Trump does. And I think he has he has the, the details in his mind to do that. So now I want to jump back to uh, the, the WEF uh, because they are coming, guys. They are coming. Check out Klaus Schwab complaining that libertarianism, the individual, right? You, basically, you are the problem from the world government that he wants to instill uh, implementing their new world order. You have this anti-system movement. What we are seeing is a revolution against the system. So fixing the present system is not enough. Now there is, of course, a anti-system, which is called libertarianism, which means to tear down everything which creates some kind of influence of government into private lives. 
It's dismantling the system. Oh, God, he is so disgusting and gross. Government in our private lives. It's so interesting. RFK talked about liberation from the system. He's talking about how the system must control you. So again, this is where RFK and Donald Trump have an awful lot in common. And I would say they both see the same enemy right in our face right now, right? They both see that World Economic Forum, that globalist agenda, the idea that there will be this one power to rule us all, and individual states, not only in the United States, but individual countries will mean nothing. There will be one government running everybody. Uh, that is the biggest problem. So the question is, who can beat them? Uh, as you remember, Donald Trump spent some time with Klaus Schwab. I wanna show you that one again for just a second, because we gotta keep the pressure on. Well, we've loved it. We think it's a great country, a beautiful country, and we have had a uh, tremendous success. Yeah, great success. And this gentleman, as you know, he's, uh, he's done a great job. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, Donald Trump, that's not the Donald Trump we want. Now, I know some of you Trump people, you're pissed right now because you're going, Dave, he just got a little momentum in Iowa. Why would you be showing that? Well, again, I don't think we have to bow to him. I think we have to strengthen him so that the next time he sees Klaus Schwab, he's able to actually stand up against him because listen to Klaus Schwab right now at Davos telling us what he wants to do. We risk to become much more egocentric and on a, on a national and individual level. To break this cycle, we need a paradigm shift. We must rebuild trust, and that's actually the theme of our meeting. We have to rebuild trust, trust in our future, trust in our capacity to overcome challenges, and most importantly, trust in each other. Okay, so this is the problem. What he is telling you is that they want you at the individual level and the national level to believe them. This is radically anti-American. It's anti-every It's anti every country. It's anti-Canadian. It's anti-Mexican, right? Countries have borders for a reason. Countries have cultures for a reason. reason. They're coming in and saying, we want all of it. So I want Donald Trump not to be the six year ago Donald Trump, this is a great guy over here. I want him to be a little bit more of the RFK. I understand what America really stands for. Uh, check this out. We're gonna show you a couple things now from the WEF because they're telling us, they are telling us all of the things they intend to do. And these are much bigger problems than the problems that the Democrats are, the Democrats are giving us all sorts of problems on our streets and everything else. These guys are giving us sort of existential worldwide problems. Uh, here is the, the president of the World Economic Forum uh, talking about how they are ushering in a new world order. It's all good people, just a new world order on the way, no big deal. That order seems to know, know, uh, not be uh, the order anymore. We are on the way to a new order, so we are between orders. Uh, do you agree with that? Or are there ways of uh, what are we able to keep on the positive side from the old order? to bring into a new world order, and how can we avoid that that new world order uh, becomes like a jungle growing back, and we rather uh, have an order based on international law and the principles that have brought us prosperity and uh, freedom uh, for decades. I do think in a, in a more sharp and distinctive way, we are moving into a new era, and that's what I talked about in my remarks, that. We are, you know, the post-Cold War era has come to a close. 
we're at the start of something new. We have the capacity to shape what that looks like. The guy answering that question, the guy who has, wants the capacity to shape what that looks like, that's Jake Sullivan, who's our national security advisor right now. So we have our own government leaders at a World Economic Forum event saying basically we will be subservient to you, right? We as Americans, whatever you guys figure out here, that's what we're gonna usher into our country. It's radically, radically anti-American. Now I wanna show you a video of the president of the European Commission talking about how, uh, well, you know, people like me sharing this information is mostly misinformation. For the global business community, the top concern for the next two years is not conflict or climate. It is disinformation and misinformation, followed closely by polarization within our societies. These risks are serious because they limit our ability to tackle the big global challenges we are facing. Changes in our climate and our geopolitical climate, shifts in our demography and in our technology. This is a time to drive global collaboration more than ever before. The level of insanity from these people is off the charts. If there's a chart, it doesn't fit on that chart. The top concern of these people is not conflict or climate. Now, I know in reality it's not climate. They're, that's completely made up. But suddenly, it's actually that you might think differently than them. That's what they mean by misinformation. These people are out there thinking for themselves. That is a way bigger problem. They've been telling us the earth is gonna end, right? Climate's gonna, what did AOC say? We got 12 years, that was like four years ago, we got eight years left. But now misinformation is a bigger problem than that. Conflict, I mean, we're looking at a war, uh, at a war in the Middle East, we're looking at the Russia-Ukraine thing, but misinformation is a bigger problem because the only way they can get the complete control over everybody that they want is if they make sure that everybody believes in their uh, dystopian psychotic project. Check this out, speaking of uh, psychotic projects. Uh, this is a video of a Harvard University disinformation expert, and she really wants to push the WEF to figure out ways to shut us all up. And it's one of the reasons this issue has become so vexed in the United States, because now ordinary people are getting a lot of disinformation in social media, almost much of which is coming from private sector interests, but then it gets amplified when it gets reposted and resent by ordinary people who think, oh, this is interesting, I'll, I'll pass this on. Um, but then it's also being amplified at the top. So I think the private sector has largely stood by and allowed a lot of really damaging things to happen, things that in the long run will not be good for you know, liberal democratic capitalism. And so I really hope that the World Economic Forum will take this issue on board and think harder about the role that the private sector can play in standing up against disinformation. There, there's so much here. I mean, she wants lib liberal democratic capitalism. That would be good at an individual country basis. That's what the Western world has been based on for the last, well, basically post-World War II, right? That's what that's what it's all about, that every country can have an ep economic policy, we can trade freely, all of those things. We have different countries operating differently and experiments going on, and some countries work one way, some countries work another. They're the ones trying to crush that freaking thing. And what she's really worried about is as they usher in the thing, crushing liberal economic, uh, liberal capitalist democracies and all that, uh, that you're gonna be upset about it. 
So who are they really upset about? Uh, they're upset about that Elon Musk guy who, by the way, was not invited to the World Economic Forum. We're good at saying, was this automatically generated or not? And I think that where saying, is this real information or disinformation, that's actually been a role that goes way beyond AI. And that's a role that traditionally the media has stepped up to play. And I think that's the right place for a lot of these questions around uh, this to be centered with the support of technologists to help us, help you better tell those, those stories and, and differentiate truth from fiction. I mean, Sorry. I'm going to let both of you jump in. I just wanted to add, however, not all tech CEOs admit that they're not good at every single thing. So, <laughs> so I, I thank you for that. At least one tech CEO hasn't been invited here um, who, who, who likes to think he's very good at media as well. <laughs> he's just one of the, I hate those asexual, <laughs> we didn't invite him because he's a little different from us. Yeah, the one guy, they're talking about Elon Musk, obviously, the one guy who has opened up Twitter so more of us can share ideas, so we can debunk things in real time, so that community notes, their fact-checking apparatus, can call out the bullshit from our politicians and from people like them, and that's what they hate the most, so they didn't even invite him there. But okay, so if they can gain control, they don't have control of X, but if they can gain control of the rest of the tech companies and the algorithms and everything else, that's pretty scary. But there's some other scary things that they have planned. Uh, yeah, super COVID, have you heard about this? Disease X, this is the next one on, uh, coming on the pike. I mean, they have this thing freaking planned already and they're telling us. So this is WHO president, his name is Tedros, his last name's very good, it's tough. Uh, Gebrisesus or something along those, how'd I do there? Gebriesus, Tedros Gebriesus, Star Wars character, and he's kind of Star Wars Sith level evil. Uh, here he is talking about uh, Disease X, which is on the way. Disease X, it's um, attracting a lot of attention. And I hope you have seen in the social media. Um, but it's not a new idea. Um, the first time we used the terminology was in 2018. There are things that are unknown that may happen. And anything happening is a matter of when, not if. So we need to have a placeholder for that. For the disease we don't know, that may come. And that was when we gave the name disease X. You, you may even call COVID as the first disease X. And it may happen again. Oh, you think it may happen again? And if only we had enough control over the people, and if only the people couldn't question whether they'd be vaccinated or whether they could go to work or whether they could wear masks on their face or everything, if only we had enough control over all that stuff, then maybe this, this um, disease X that we kind of made up that we've been talking about for quite some time, you get it, you get it. They are, they are, they're showing us, they're showing us and that's why they don't want a free internet like we have right now. That's why they hate Elon Musk and are trying to constantly take out Twitter and everything else. Uh, here, let's just keep rolling. Uh, this is a meteorologist who is at the WF, Carlos Nombre. Uh, and uh, here he is once again touting the vaccines, which is just so extraordinary, but there's nothing that you can put past these people. One, one important issue, science communication, for instance. Have we communicated that the uh, vaccines for the pandemic was, they were created in 10 months, the fastest mm -hmm. in history. That saved more than 50 million lives if it took one more year. I mean, have we communicated that well? No, we did not.
There's absolutely no evidence of it. I'm not vaxxed, he's not vaxxed, he's not vaxxed, he's not vaxxed, he's not vaxxed back there. We've all had COVID, we're all doing fine. There are a million other factors, you get it, you get it. But again, this in a weird way, it has nothing to do with COVID. That's just the thing that they're using constantly. Diseases, control, those are the, it's all, those are all the things that they can use to basically take away autonomy uh, from you. And this, this concept, that I'm talking about. This is the enemy for 2024. I get it, the Democrats suck, but the meta the meta thing that we are fighting is this. So let's just keep going. Uh, here is another person at the WEF uh, by the name of Jojo Meta, claiming that farming and fishing must be stopped too because you're gonna eat bugs and you're gonna love it. I mean, ecocide as a word is becoming more, it's becoming better known around the world. And the concept is generally mass damage and destruction of nature. Um, but legally speaking, um, what our organization and other collaborators aim to do is to have this recognized legally as a serious crime. With ecocide, what we see is actually what people are trying to do, what businesses are trying to do is make money, is, you know, is farm, is fish, is do all of these things that are, um, you know, producing energy. And Ah, business is trying to make money. Business is trying to fish so somebody could eat. We're gonna take all those people out. As if these people don't wanna make money, they all flew there in their private jets and the rest of it. Now, let's go even a step further. A step further is what's really coming on the other side of this, is that once they have complete control of your mind and your body, when you can go outside, what you're allowed to think, who you're allowed to talk to, social credit and all that, then you know who's really in charge at that point? They'll have their good lives, right? They'll have their, they'll still eat the steaks and all of that good stuff. But then it will be basically be AI that will control everybody, right? The algorithms, what information you can get and when you can get it so they can make you believe anything, that is what will control everybody. So they are very, very big on pushing AI right now. And you need only read literally any dystopian fiction novel or watch any dystopian fiction movie to go, oh, maybe we shouldn't hand the control to the robots, but they've got to scare you about that too. It is not necessarily job displacement, but it is absolutely an impact. If you embrace AI, you're going to make yourself a lot more productive. If you do not, then probably I agree with the minister, you're going to find that you may not have a job. So you've got to embrace it. <laughs> if you don't embrace the AI and the robots, you won't have a job, you'll eat bugs in the street. Okay, we're, we're, I know this is a kind of wide show right now because we started with Trump and all that, so now I want to bring this thing all together. They are telling you their agenda. This is the 2024 WEF agenda, and Donald Trump right now is the presumptive nominee uh, to be president. Or, you know, He's running in 2024 to be president starting in 2025. But it's not just Donald Trump and uh, America that's having elections right now. There are more than 50 countries having national elections this year, which basically makes up about half the world. Four billion human beings on planet Earth will be voting in 2024, or at least eligible to vote. That's 57% of the global economy, which means roughly $60 trillion of GDP, GDP capital on the line globally. 
So what is it that these people will do if they win the elections, right? If they get their Justin Trudeau's in, if they get their Gavin Newsom's in, I think we can go through it very clearly. It's fairly obvious. They will denationalize the entire global economy, right? So you will not have an American economy and a Canadian economy and a, and a Mexican economy. We'll have one economy. That's what, that is what the plan is. And that's why they are always looking to install certain political leaders in certain countries. And then they will internationalize it, right? There will be one thing, it will basically be privatized communism. They will have their stuff, but everybody else will just kind of share. And if you don't think this is happening, well, we've got some video of it. It is happening in real time right now. Here is Ukraine's Zelensky at Davos. His country's at war, but the guy's constantly traveling around meeting all these fancy people. Uh, here he is meeting with the heads of J.P. Morgan, Chase, BlackRock, Bridgewater, and Blackstone. They control an awful lot of stuff. Here he is just saying hi. He's at war. So happy. Thank you very much, J.P. Morgan, Chase. God bless you. Thank you so much. Great to see you. Great to see you. Great to see you. All right, you might be watching this going, Dave, this feels like Alex Jones level stuff, except it isn't really. We're just peering behind the curtain and showing you exactly what they are saying. Do you think there's a reason that they want control of the internet? Because when they have these meetings to figure out what they're gonna do, they're not thrilled with all of the people that get to share this stuff on a free internet because one day, once they have complete control, they'll just shut it down. So we got a little window to expose some of this. And again, to connect it to where we started, to make sure that whoever our president is in the United States, it, it, it cannot be Joe Biden or whoever the Democrats are gonna usher in because that's they want all this stuff. Whether it's Donald Trump or RFK or somebody else, Ron DeSantis doesn't even matter. We just have to equip them properly to be able to fight this stuff because what they want, once they have the, the economic control over all our countries, is one government. That's it, one ring to rule them all. Uh, listen to Klaus Schwab in 2020 thanking China, which knows a little bit about authoritarian control of its people. Thanks also to the leadership of China in terms of fighting the pandemic in terms of reinvigorating its economy, we have now a window of opportunity to create this global reset which we all need. Oh, so thank you, China. China, where the COVID thing came from. China with all that authoritarian control. China with social credit score. China, which doesn't respect individual rights. China, which is actually committing a genocide of the Uyghurs. That's the China we're thanking. And what else can China do once it, uh, once it has complete control of its people? It can literally just flip a switch uh, and it can actually just send you to COVID prison. Watch this, you remember, you remember some of these videos. This is what they were doing during COVID. They were just putting people in little jails. And I mean, there are worse videos than that. They can flip a switch and congratulations, you can't use your credit card anymore. Nobody wants to talk to you anymore. And we're gonna basically uh, put you into jail. So th the plan, it's gross, it sounds nuts. I would prefer to talk about something else. But this seems to be what they want to do globally in 2024, and that's what they're telling us. So what can we do? We can call it out. Okay, I think we did that here. Uh, but I think we can also help the brave people who are calling out this nonsense. So I love, love, love this video. 
Uh, you may remember Abi Yemeni. I've had him on the show a couple of times. He's from Rebel News. He's an Australian journalist. He's an actual journalist without air quotes. Uh, he is at Davos right now at the World Economic Forum. And this morning he confronted John Kerry about flying on his private planes uh, when he's always worried about climate hypocrisy. And you might, we watched this video and we thought it was from last year because he's done this more than once to John Kerry, but this is this morning. What's the carbon footprint of these events every single year that you come here? You think it's worth it? Peasants pay for your crimes? That's a stupid question. Is it, a, is it really? Is it, is, it, is it more stupid than you traveling here to tell us Sorry? We're done. We're done. We are done now. You can't grab me. You can't grab us. This is a free society, mate. This is, we have freedom of the press. Why do you think you're more important? Your carbon footprint doesn't matter, but everybody else around the world... ...suggested that. Nobody ever suggested that. Don't make up stupid questions. Being here suggests that. Stupid question. You being here every single year and doing this suggests that. And, and I have done a huge amount. Listen, now finished, please. Why can't I ask him questions? Please. Who are you? Why are you trying to bully me out of us? That doesn't, a lot of people say no to a lot of the policies and agendas he pushes. They don't get a choice. So why can't we ask him a question in a public space? Can you not touch me? Do you see how much these people hate you? John Kerry has flown more. He has a private plane. Remember, we've shown you the video where under oath, he said he didn't have a private plane. And then the congressman was like, uh, but you do. And he's like, oh no, it's my wife's. These people hate you. John Kerry has put more CO2 in the air flying private than, 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 than I'm sure anyone that you know, if you're watching this show right now and anyone more than I know, they don't care. They will always be eating the fanciest Wagyu steaks. They will always be flying in their private planes. And all he can say is that's a stupid question because when they are confronted on their bullshit, they have nothing. They have absolutely nothing. They either they are either absolute liars or they don't know what they're talking about in the first place. And speaking of that, I wanna jump back to another clip. This is about a year ago, Bernie Sanders, who has pushed more of this socialist nonsense on America than virtually anyone. And by the way, the revolution will eat him and it will be beautiful. Uh, but you may remember this, Bernie Sanders, the socialist in America with three houses. Uh, here is Bill Maher asking him the difference between equality and equity, and he doesn't even effing know. DEI, are we confusing equality of opportunity with trying to guarantee equity and outcomes? Okay, that's interesting because I think this word equity has come into the language in the last few years, and before that we didn't hear it a lot, and I think a lot of people hear equity and they hear equality, that yeah. like it's the same word, and it's not the same word in the same concept. So how would you differentiate between equity and equality? Well, equality, we talk about... Uh, I don't know what the answer to that is. Come to think of it, you know, uh, equality is equality of opportunity. All right? We live in a society we want all people right. to have whatever color your skin is. Equity, I think, is more guarantee of outcome, is it not? I yeah, think, I think so. I think that's okay. Probably. So, which do you come? Which side do you come down on? Uh, equality. Equality. Uh, yeah. Okay. All right. Everything that Bernie Sanders has put into the American system and run on and the progressive movement that he largely birthed in America has been based on equity. And he did not even know. I mean, Bill had to drag it out of him without completely embarrassing him, although that should have ended the grift right there. 
So on one hand, if you call them out on their hypocrisy, they tell you it's a stupid question. That's what John Kerry did. Then Bill Maher asks Bernie Sanders the simplest question. What is the basis of your beliefs? And he doesn't even know the difference between equality and equity. And the problem with all of that is when you have a bunch of people who are either liars or idiots in charge, then the policies that they create destroy your lives, right? Because if you think that people can't make choices for themselves, then generally a bunch of people who don't care about them are gonna make all of the choices. So now I wanna connect this to something that's going on here in America right now, where we know in most of our blue cities, there are stores closing, there are massive chains absolutely leaving, uh, there are migrants coming in taking services from black people. Bernie Sanders wanted equity for black people and he ushered in all of these policies. We shouldn't arrest people, then crime gets worse, we're gonna deregulate, we're gonna um, decriminalize drugs, then cr drugs gets worse and everything else. So right now what's happening in Boston, and Boston is a hotbed of this progressive insanity, is that uh, Walgreens has decided to close their fourth location in Boston because as you know, people just walk in, they steal all the shit, the security guard doesn't do anything because he doesn't want to get stabbed, nobody does anything. Walgreens, thanks to leftist progressive policies, the same stuff that the WEF would love to have happening all over the world, Walgreens is now closing their fourth store and the black residents of Boston are pissed about it because people like having drugstores in the in the neighborhood. How do you think they, they target black and brown communities? I think because they get no pushback. But they're now getting pushback. Protesting alongside dozens of other frustrated customers fighting to keep this Walgreens open. Don't we need to have something in the community to help the black, the elderly, the sick, you know what I'm saying? They can't go far. The problem boils down to accessibility, says former Boston NAACP president turned healthcare advocate Michael Curry. The communities where they're closing these pharmacies are communities where people are uh, disparately impacted by disease, you know, two or three times higher rates in cancer, diabetes, heart disease where life expectancy can be 15, 20 years less. While this isn't the only Walgreens or pharmacy chain set to close location in the coming weeks, Curry says it begs this question. What is your obligation? What is your expectation as a corporate citizen to do what's right for those communities beyond what's right just for your bottom line? You see how progressivism destroys everything? Right at the end there, the obligation of Walgreens is to make money. Walgreens is a corporation. They happen to be in the business of being a drugstore and they go into areas where they can make some money selling the products on their shelves. Then progressives come in and they deregulate crime and they say, go in and steal whatever you want. Or this is Los Angeles, you're allowed to steal $800 worth of stuff. And then what happens? Well, more of that crime and more of the bad behavior happens to happen in these areas. And that's largely because the Democrat policies uh, of handouts to the black community have created economic conditions that lead to all, it's, it's an absolute, you get it, it's an absolute cluster F of, of problems. But they have done all of this because they said, give the government the power to do all of this stuff instead of the individual. So Walgreens is not 
as a what was it as a civic citizen he called it's a corporation but as a civic citizen Walgreens should just stay Walgreens should just stay here and keep losing money and keep having products be pulled out of their stores and and no they shouldn't they should do whatever the hell they want to do as a corporation so what is the solution to all of this what is the p solution to the worship of politicians and what is the solution to handing off all of your decision making power to people in Davos and everything else well how about first we call it out that would be pretty good call it out on the Davos stage that's easy right now they don't have control over us right here just yet. They have some level of control, but let's call out John Kerry, right? Let's call these absolute frauds out. John Kerry, who stands far more for a one world government than for the government of the United States. And the man was almost president of the United States, let's not forget. Then let's call it out on the American stage, the bad actors that we have right here, the Bernie Sanders, who apparently don't even know what they've ushered in or the Joe Bidens, who Joe was supposed to be the moderate, who has now ushered in three years uh, of progressive insanity. Call them out. Uh, number three, you know what we could do? Call out your local community if they're doing bad things. So if you live in Roxbury, Boston, where those four Walgreens have closed, call out your lo local civic leaders, your local mayor and everybody else who were like, oh, you know what? We're just gonna decriminalize stuff and we're not gonna have laws and everything else. Call them out. It's not Walgreens' fault, it's their fault, okay? And then you know what you could also do? You could call out the nonsensical people who rather than doing good, just say they are doing good. You might remember this one from that guy that they hate. Feel about that because this goes, we we're talking about power and influence and-, and I'm saying, I'm saying what, I, what, what I care about is the, the reality of goodness, not the perception of it. And what I see all over the place is people who care about looking good while doing evil. F them, okay? Should have just ended the show right there. What else can I add? That is the point. All of those WEF people, all of the Bernie Sanders types and the John Kerry types and all these people, those are the real enemies. They pretend they're doing good while they are doing evil. And until enough of us are just like F them, and then we're gonna coalesce around a whole bunch of better people and better political leaders who are gonna get us out of this mess. That's how we fix this thing. Not just by worshiping, not just by, by praying that somehow it's magically going to be fixed but by actually getting a little sweat equity in this and, and doing it a little bit better. I know this was a wide show. I know we did a lot. I think I, I think I was able to bring it together. If you have any thoughts on that, let us know in 30 seconds, rubenreport.locals.com, post game show. You can ask me questions, you can comment and all that good stuff. Uh, by the way, tomorrow, our 11 a.m. show, uh, our normal 11 a.m. show, uh, Megan Kelly will be co-hosting it with me and we'll be going through what happened in Iowa and sort of the path for everybody getting out of there. Oh, and we leave you with a cold close. We did a little, a little comedy skit, as the kids say. Uh, you know, Mark Cuban, who's been a big fan of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Uh, I decided that, yes, I'm 47 years old. I got a torn ACL in my knee. I'm, you know, 5'11", maybe, on a good day. You know, I, I'd like to play for the Dallas Mavericks. So uh, we, we tried out. Next into the tank is a modern version of a traditional machine. Hey, Sharks, I'm Dave Rubin, and I'm here to try out for the Dallas Mavericks. What are your pronouns? My pronouns are she, they. How long have you played for? I've been playing for about 35 years, but more importantly, my husband's gay. What college did you play at? I played at Howard University, a historically black college. Oh, cool, who's your favorite African-American? Elon Musk. And what's your three-point percentage? 30% as a she, 42% as a they. So what's your vertical? High enough to jump Donald Trump's wall. Okay, and what would you say your signature move is? Funding lower class abortions from out of state. Hey, what's your favorite warm-up music? The National Anthem. 
while kneeling. All right, I like what I've seen so far. You really love the game, but who was your favorite player growing up? Number 32, Carl Malone. Sticking all kind of hell up they butt. Congratulations, man. You're the newest member of the Dallas Mavericks. Thanks for tuning in to The Rubin Report. You can watch the show live every weekday at 11 a.m. Eastern and 8 a.m. Pacific on Rumble, Locals, and YouTube. Don't forget to rate, review, share, and subscribe to this podcast. And you can join me for the post-game wrap-up every day after the show at rubinreport.locals.com.